Let the Holy Ghost have his way with you this morning. He's going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. And he's going to tell you things that you do want to hear. You have to accept them both. Got a few little rights out there, a few nods maybe. He's going to tell you things that you want to hear and that you don't want to hear. Welcome to my world. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I'm a son of God. Listen, here's how it works. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 14. This doesn't really even have anything to do with rudimentary salvation. But if you want to be a joint heir, you want to inherit all the things that God has for you. And those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Then it goes into the Abba Father verse. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And then comes Romans 8, 16 and 17, which is joint heirs with Christ. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. It all starts with being led by the Spirit of God, though. You have to be willing to be led by the Spirit of God. You have to be willing to be corrected. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. Anybody ever watched a consuming fire? Nothing's left. You have to be willing to take your whole life and say, Lord, I trust. Not Tom's consuming fire. Not Foundation Church's consuming fire. Not any minister or preacher's consuming fire. But Holy Ghost, I do receive your consuming fire. You have to be willing. He's going to torch things. And then he's going to build it back up the way that it's supposed to be. Most Christians never get to the torch, let alone the rebuild. Let him torch it. I'm letting him burn up all kinds of things in my life. Does it help my self-esteem? Not really, but why do I have any self-esteem to begin with? Why do you? Without, without Jesus, you can do nothing anyway, so why is it that you have any self-esteem? Well, he's got a self-esteem problem. Good. (laughs) Christianity is way different than people think that it is. Why is it way different? Because they never read Christianity. They never actually read the Bible. Christianity is actually very different than 90% of Christians think that it is. It's, it's, it's different than 90% of Christians' Christianity. It's completely and totally different than most Christians believe that it is. Of course it's different than the world thinks that it is. I mean, Taylor Swift is claiming outspokenly right now that she's a Christian. You're like, Tom, it's not very loving for you to talk about her. Well, you don't read the Bible then. Because Paul talked about false prophets all the time. By freaking name. So you know. So she's out there espousing that she's a Christian because she accepts abortion. She accepts homosexuality and transgenderism. And a lot of people right then and there, they're like, this is not Christianity because this is not nice. That's because you have no concept of what Christianity actually is. Just like Taylor, just call yourself a Swifty. <laughs> Out loud, I'm a Swifty. 
Say it. She's saying, you know, I was raised in Nashville, I was raised in Tennessee, and that's not my version of Christianity. That where you stand, that you call homosexuality a sin, abortion a sin, transgenderism absolutely wrong. You know what? She's like, I don't, that's not my Christianity. Christianity is all accommodating and nice. That's not Christianity. See, a lot of you, a lot of you might struggle in this church because you're not accommodated. You're barely hanging on. You come, you go, you come, you go. If this person doesn't come, then you don't come that Sunday. Because you can't, listen, you can't take it. And that's why you stay exactly the same year after year after year after year. Because the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 4.24, Hebrews 12.28 and 29, is a consuming fire. And you don't let them consume. You stay exactly the same. Your pride is going before your own destruction. Your portrait of yourself is more important than God's reality. Let it go. You're wrong. Everybody knows you're wrong. You know you're wrong. Let it go. Just be like me. Don't care anymore. But Christianity is very different than people think that it is. It is not about being nice. A lot of people are going to church this morning with a bunch of nice people to learn how to be nice so they can be nice throughout the week and a greater understanding of nice, greater revelation of nice. It's not what it is. You're probably thinking, well, that's Tom, that's easy for you because you're not nice. That's actually not true. I'm actually very nice. I just never let nice trump the truth. If you are a turd, I'm going to tell you to your face. If you ask, I'm not gonna seek you out unless you, unless you fly above the radar here at Foundation Church and make yourself a turd to the level that I need to address you. Which means you've had to go through Travis, Heather, Hope, Aaron, Galactic levels of turdiness for me to have to come and address you. But unless you ask, I don't tell you. I'm actually quite nice. I used to get made fun of a little bit at the sheriff's office for my level of niceness. I would stop on the side of the road and help everybody. I'm on the side of the road on my belly. Dirt underneath my badge, changing tires, going to gas stations, buying gas for people, buying their gas can, bringing it back to them, gassing them up. They had nobody else but me, giving the homeless money, giving the homeless my radio out of my car. You think I'm not nice? No, I just don't let nice trump what's true. So if you are a jerk, I'm going to tell you because it helps you. If you're living in sin, I'm going to tell you because I don't want you to go to hell. You, you honestly think that it's nice to obfuscate the truth and just be nice while the person goes there? You honestly think that person is gonna go, you know what, I would kill for one second worth of water on my burned up tongue right now, but thank God, that preacher at Lukewarm Academy, man, he was, safe. He was, he was nice to me. Lord, your God's a consuming fire. Christianity is way different than people think that it is. Way different. 
And the only reason why you think it's all about nice, nice, and top of nice, and a greater revelation nice, is because you don't read your Bible. Listen, it really is, life really is simple. Most Christians do not read the Bible. They don't. Most Christians don't read the Bible. They don't. It's blatantly obvious. They come to me for counsel, mistake number one. They come to me for counsel, and they're like, I don't want to get into some of the things I've heard because it'll reveal people, but I'm just telling you, I'm like, it's obvious you don't read the Bible. You have no concept of marriage. You have no concept of healing. You have no concept of victory. You believe that the will of God will just unfold in your life no matter what you do. That's not true. If you are not doing, the will of God is not unfolding. If you're not asking, praying, studying the word, increasing your revelation, dispelling unbelief, the devil is having his way in your life or your flesh is. The will of God does not just ambiguously unfold in your life. It doesn't. But most Christians believe that it does. Some, tra- some tra- uh, tragedy, tragedy happens or some travesty happens in the life. That's just the will of God unfold. No, it's not. If you would have bound, it never would have happened. If you would have loosed, it never would have happened. It's way different. It's like the song we just sang. God reigns above it all. He is not in control of it all. That is actually a biblical song based on the biblical definition of sovereignty. Sovereignty doesn't mean in control of all. It means overall, superior to all. Not in control of all. Amen. Amen. It's just like law enforcement, not in control of all. They're overall to control, to help, to help mitigate. To set, to set a, a certain amount of order, but they're not in control of all, otherwise there'd be no crime. Amen. And if you're not doing, here's the thing when it comes to Christianity. If it's not the word that's your Christianity, if it's not the word, then you're not operating by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Romans 10, 17. So if it's not the word that you're living in, stop calling yourself Christian. Call yourself something else. Just call your, call your faith by your own name. Just call, your, just call it by your own name. Like, I, I live by the book of Tom. It's great. Chapter four, verse seven. But stop calling yourself a Christian if you're not living by the word. If you're a wife and you're not submitting to your husband, stop calling it a biblical marriage. It's not. It's not. If you're a husband and you don't love your wife like Christ loved the church and lay your life down for her and you won't even turn off the TV to talk to her, Stop saying, stop, don't, don't sign yourself up for another marriage seminar that's gonna teach you to call your wife your bride. There goes my bride, the love of my life. Stop putting out the Facebook posts. Every anniversary, today is the 32nd anniversary of the, of the day that I met the love of my life. And I just wanna tell you something about my wife. She hates you. Why are you putting that out there? You know she does. It's so amazing to me that many, you're like, how do you know that? Because I counsel them. I know. I've seen it over and over again. 
It was very good for me. I'm trying to think of when I got on social media. I think it was 10 years ago that I got on, was it 2023? Somewhere in there. I got on social media. I wish, that, I wish you didn't have to. You have to if you want to communicate these days, which is a shame. But I wish I didn't because then I got it revealed to me all how fake people were at Foundation Church. Most of you weren't here then. You weren't here then, most of you. There's only a few refugees left from that time. I tend to churn people out. But I had to see how fake people were. I'm like, what are you talking about? I know you guys are on the brink of divorce every day of your life. I know you. And so does everybody else in the church. But their portrait is actually more important to them than reality. That's called deception. And it's called delusion. People probably wonder, well, you know, people ask me all the time, hey, Tom, what are you and Hope doing for your anniversary? Nothing. <laughs> this is going to sound incredibly cheesy to you or hallmarky to you, which, side note, <laughs> Christmas movies start on October 20th. <laughs> Believe me, I know. But people will ask, I'm like, nothing, why? Because every day of my life is like Valentine's Day. Every day of my life is like it's an anniversary. I don't, I don't have, we don't live like that. We, com we commune every day. My wife comes in the room, I stop, and I listen to her. You're like, are you perfect? No, I'm not perfect, but I prioritize her. She comes in, she's, when my wife wants to pray over me, I don't go, okay. I get my hands in the air. I start speaking in tongues. I receive. She's a prophet. I receive what she says. She's a prophet. Believe me, I know. But if you, listen, if you don't live that way, then stop calling it a biblical marriage and repent. Then call it a biblical marriage. And that's for any area of your life, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. You need to understand that Christianity is the Bible. If you're living outside of the Bible, stop calling it Christianity. Because faith, and stop calling it, well, you know, I live by faith, and my faith is this, and my faith is that. It's not faith if it's not the word of God, because faith exclusively comes through the word of God. That's it. All right, now I'm gonna start the message. So Christianity is very different than people think that it is. Matthew eleven twelve. 12, here's Christianity for you, ready? Matthew eleven twelve, 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's Christianity, is that your version? If it's not, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying whether you're saved or not, your, your sins are forgiven, but understand, that, that goes back to what I said originally about Romans eight fourteen. You may be a Christian as far as saved, but you're not a son or a daughter, you're not a joint heir. You're not receiving all the things of God because you don't look at it correctly, therefore you're not operating in faith. If you're not operating in faith, you have nothing. You have absolutely nothing. And the only way to operate in faith is if it's the word of God. That is faith. There is, look at me now, nothing else. Feelings don't matter. Past experiences don't matter. Failures don't matter. Victories don't matter. The word of God is what matters. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Matthew 24, 35. And this is the word. I don't know, I'm talking about, I don't, Christianity, it's, it's the opposite of violence. It's not what 
that's Jesus talking. So what, who are you following if you think that? You're following the devil. You only have two options. If you don't look at Christianity this way, you're wrong. It's what, you, know, you wonder why I was saying you might need to accept that you're wrong? This is Christianity. Well, I don't, I don't believe in taking things by force. I believe in compliance. What are you talking about? The, the only question is, what is this violence and this force that Jesus is talking about? Let me make this clear for all the social media fact checkers and editors and banners and censors out there. I'm not talking about physical violence. I'm not talking about an AR-15 last stand, unless necessary. Does it seem evil to you that I just, what I just said? And the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force? Does that seem evil to you? To talk about it, to find out what, what is this violence? What is this force? Is that, is that antithetical to Christianity to you? If it is, understand that your Christianity is either non-existent or very tainted. It's the verse that you hear me say all the time around here, Joshua 24, 15, and everybody only talks about the last part of the verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's not, that's not the point of the verse. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Violent take it by force. Does that seem evil to you? That's why you never gain ground, because the violent take it by force. That's why, listen, I look at some of the dead faces out here. You're uninterested in Christianity. Because it's boring to you because it's really no different than Gandhi. Peace and love and just trying to be super nice. It's not. It's this, this is going to seem, how many, how many people, how many churches do you think are preaching this this morning? Why did they skip over these verses? Because their niceness, their version of humanistic love Trumps the truth, trumps Jesus, trumps the word, trumps the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, trumps the Holy Ghost, trumps Father God. Their version of love is their golden calf, craft just like the people of Israel, the Hebrews, and led by Aaron, crafted the golden calf. Their version of love is exactly that. It trumps everything. When they should be confronting the behavior of their child, they don't because they love them. Loving them is confronting them. Men who are scared of their wives. I don't want to say anything because it's because I love her. No, you don't love her. You're scared of her. She's a girl and you're scared of her. Here comes a Tom's a chauvinist. They're not a chauvinist. Everybody's got their lane. Women can do things men can't do. Men can do things that women can't do. That is the way that it is. I'll give you my theology again, which drives my wife crazy. I will never push a baby out of any, Janelle corrected me in the middle of my message last week, rightfully so, any of the six orifice, orifices out of my body. A baby will never come out. Ever. I can go have everything lopped off. Nothing's coming out. It's not my lane. 
It's a real popular video, of course, ESPN, being the leftist hub that they are, were pimping this. They had put out this girl playing like Division Three football. It's not her lane, and you notice it's not her lane. And you're like, I, men can, women can do anything men can do. That's not true. That's not true. Otherwise, you'd have 50-50 in the NFL today when you watch. And men can't do what women can do. My wife has talents that I will never have. That's why we are as one. I need her. She needs me. If there's a rustling in the middle of the night, if our alarm goes off, hope stays in bed. As I spring up, I run to my dresser. I've got my nine millimeter. It's in hand, ready to rock and roll. And I like every cop in this room. I can lock and load, right? And I can lock and load in the middle of the night without seeing anything. Boom, boom, I'm out checking. It's my job. It's not her job. That's my job. She says, comes, I, I come back, it's over. That's it. It's my lane. That's the truth. Truth trumps being nice and accommodating. Oh, you feel like a, hey, Jim, you feel like a girl today, so we're going to call you Jane? No, I'm not going to do that, Jim. You're still Jim. I don't care that you have a dress on. I don't care that you lopped it all off. I don't care that you inverted everything. You're still Jim. That's the truth. Just so you know, though, we are unique in that you're clapping to that. A lot of churches would never dare say it. If you're living in heterosexual, fornicating sin in this church right now, you're gonna die and go straight to hell unless you repent. If you're homosexual, you're living a homosexual lifestyle, you're gonna die and go straight to hell if you don't repent. If you're a liar, you're gonna die and go straight. I don't care, I don't care if you said a sinner's prayer. If you haven't repented, you're gonna die and go straight to hell. If you're a Christian who lived the life of a believer for a while, but you've backslidden, you're living a lifestyle of sin, it's called apostasy. I don't care what John Calvin says. I don't care what a Baptist says. I don't care about what this preacher says or that preacher says. I care what the word of God says. And if you live, if you live and you die in that condition, you're gonna die and go straight to hell. That's the Bible. You're like, that's not nice. Yes, it is. It's a higher form of niceness than your accommodation because accommodation is not niceness at all. It's enabling, enabling them for someday to be looking up at you in heaven, begging for you to put a drop of water on their tongue, begging. They won't be able to say of Tom Lipley that I didn't tell you, as I told you. And I try to do that when even if it's not heaven and hell things, if there are things that are holding you back in your life, I'm gonna tell you. You're like, Tom, you never told me specifically. You know what I'm talking about. You know right now what's holding you back. You know it. Will you lay it down? Some of you, you're just a jerk. You're a jerk. You are. You're the jerk in every room. You're needy. You take over every Bible study you go to. You're offended all the time. You're a jerk. That's the last time I ever stepped foot in this church. There's plenty of churches that will accommodate me. Yeah, they'll accommodate you to live hell on earth for the rest of your life. As people turn their back on you over and over and over again while you tell yourself it's them, not you. It's everybody else but me. 
It's not. It's you. <laughs> but does this seem evil to you? And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What is the violence? What is the force? You need to know if it seems evil to you, understand that you are not living the life of a believer. You're not living a life of faith. If you do not violently take action, what does violence mean even? What does it mean? Does it mean just punching somebody in the face or shooting a gun at somebody or whatever? Maybe? No, that's a form of violence. But violence is actually an action. You ever, if you've ever coached any athletics, you go, man, that's a violent athlete right there. They're quick, fast twitch muscles, explosive. Man, they hit that baseball with violence. It's quick, it's decisive, almost like the word of God. Oh wait, this is the word of God. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. Your church like that? Quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder. I'm not going to some church that pierces me, then you're not a Christian. Your, your, your church is not Christ's life. It doesn't pierce you. You should be nervous when you walk in here. I know some of you are. You avoid it whenever you can. You're welcome. Does spiritual violence seem evil to you? Listen to these verses. First, I didn't give these to you in the back, guys. We'll see how sharp you are. First Samuel 16, 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. Listen to this. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming. Anybody tremble at your coming? Now, I'm not bragging right now, but there's places where I walk in the room and it literally is like Darth Vader music is on. People are so bothered by me. Does this sound like modern day Christianity? And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said to him, do you come peaceably? Um, I think that it should always be peace wherever we go and it should, we should all, it should all be about harmonizing. I just believe in organic harmonizing. That's not the Bible. Everybody should like you. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so do their fathers to the false prophets. That's just Jesus talking. Again, what's your Christianity if it's not Jesus? They're asking the prophet. They're trembling that the prophet's coming. Why? He's bringing God. 1 Kings 18, 16 through 18. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Oops. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? Uh, I thought it was all about being a community partner and a good neighbor. Um, I heard that down the street, all the Burger Kings are closed. Oh, you know what, so we're gonna close because we're gonna harmonize with the community. We're community partners and we're good neighbors and fresh starts and new beginnings. Is that, was that your church? Has that ever been your church? Some of you, yeah, you, that's why you had to come to me. Nobody else is open, so you had to come to the worst guy in town. 
You know it was your church. And they are, they're trying to lure you back. And many that used to come here have been lured back. Because they're just so nice. You know, they're just such a nice church. And every, every Sunday, there's friendship, food, fellowship, and fun. I thought you were supposed to be the trouble of Israel. Do you come peaceably? Yeah, you're no threat. You're no threat to the devil. You're no threat to sickness. You're no threat to depression. You're no threat to any demon. You're no threat to the antichrist spirit. You partner with them all. You don't restrain them. You capitulate to them. You're like, Tom, we didn't do any of that. We're here at Foundation Church. I know. If it's not for you, it's not for you. Blow it off. Don't come to me at the door of the day. Hey, Tom, you know, I really felt offended. You know, you were yelling at us. It wasn't for you then. It was for somebody else. I do want to say hello to everybody who's watching. Last week we had 375 people watching online. Is it a red light? I know, it's horrible. We got you. Love all of you that are online watching right now. God bless you. Don't go to a COVID caving, capitulating, spirit of antichrist capitulating church. Don't go. Stay with us. Just stay with us. Make this your home church. Stay with us. Go where the word of God is. Don't go anywhere else. I know, listen, I would have never said I'm speaking to them online right now. I know, I, listen, five years ago, five years ago, when I actually thought the CDC ever uttered one word of truth, I would have told you, you gotta find a church in your area. Forget that now. If there's no good church, if there's not a church like this, stay with us. Stay with us. I hear people all the time, you know, they come and go, whatever. Hey, we found a church just like that. No, you didn't. I check them. <laughs> they don't, listen, and they're like, they don't say the things you say. All I'm saying are Bible verses. Yeah, I put some lisping in there. <laughs> Not with the Bible verses. Listen, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna have penises and testicles and breasts lopped off, then I'm gonna throw some lisping in there. Why not? If that's the culture, then I'm gonna battle against it by making fun of it. Listen, I'm gonna ridicule the culture. I don't care. Jesus did. Paul did. Well, that's just, Tom, that's just not Christ-like. How's it not Christ-like if Christ did it? So does spiritual violence seem evil to you? If it does, you're wrong. Colossians 2.8. How do people get to that place? How do they get to the place where what is antithetical to the word of God is their doctrine? How did it happen? Right here. Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. If you don't believe that, then you're taken captive. Captivity is violence. They want you in their COVID camps. They want you locked down in your houses, driving their cars that they can shut off whenever they want. CBDC currency that they can shut off whenever they want. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy that depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. 
Have you been taken captive? I'll just go back to my original. Are you captive to niceness? Number one priority, me being nice. I've got a homosexual relative who flaunts their homosexuality at every single family gathering. I don't, I'm just using it as an example. I've been there in that sort of gathering, but don't anymore. And you as a Christian say nothing? Oh, that's so great, you're gonna, you guys, uh, um, Jim and Bill, you guys are adopting children? Oh, I think that's great, as a Christian, I just wanna be supportive. It's not what you do. I'm not saying you have to say a word. Don't worry, they'll come to you. They'll come to you. They always come to me. How stupid do you have to be to come to me? And I'm not saying this. I'm not, I'm not destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you, if you come to me, you can ask my wife. You walk into my office, she'll find me flipping cards. Memorizing the Bible. Memorizing the Bible. Memorizing the Bible. So I have got my sword of the Spirit ready to rock and roll. You come to me, you are messing with the wrong person. You better, you better have Bible verses or you will get throttled. Throttled. They'll come to me. They'll come to me. You don't just sit there and enable people straight to hell. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Look how violent this verse is. Back to Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which by the way is 99.9% of all churches. Hollow and deceptive philosophy that depends on human tradition, not the word of God, human tradition. Takes the village, ain't, mama ain't happy, the whole house ain't happy. I see preachers preach this all the time. Preachers that I love, you mean Tommy, you still listen to Yeah, I still listen to them. I chew on the meat, spit out the bones. But I see it all the time. Preachers will actually be saying, well, you know, my wife, my wife tells me to do something, and you know, I'm just like, yes, ma'am. They're the ones who put the masks on and lock down their churches, and they're word of faith men. Quiet right there. Everybody, is that what you say in your own house? Your wife tells you something? Yes, ma'am. I don't expect my wife to say yes, sir, to me, so why would I say yes, ma'am, to her? Gosh, dog quiet in here. I need, I need to preach more. I need, I need to do a whole week. I need to do a whole week on marriage. I can do it right now. I can spend, I usually go to about 12.10. Just so, for those of you that are new, you've only got, to see, 24, 34 minutes to go and you can leave. You can actually get up and leave at that point because nobody will notice because we'll be praying. You gotta hang on till then or you'll be embarrassed. Or I might make fun of you as you leave. I haven't made fun of anybody for leaving in a while because it's burned me a couple times. Bad, bad. Like me having to go and apologize. You ever, see, I, that's what I, you think I mean. I screw up, I go apologize. I did it, I absolutely blasted this couple for getting up. And leaving. I mean, and not only did I blast them for leaving, I made fun of what they were carrying and everything else. 
That's the problem with having a giant gaping pie chute. I haven't arrived, I've just left. So when they came back in, my tail was so far up my leg, up through my, between my legs, that it was up stick and tickling my nose. So I apologized to them in front of the whole church, ran them down afterwards, and apologized again. I don't think they ever came back, which I don't, <laughs> I don't blame them. For them, they don't have to come back. <laughs> but it's the only church to go to. You're like, you think, and you think, you think I want to say that. I don't. I don't. I tried, you can ask my wife, I tried for years to find fellowship with other pastors. But since no other pastors actually preach the word or even believe the word, I couldn't until I ran to Rodney Howard Brown. That's it. So I tried in this area, so for me to be pastored, I gotta go to Tampa. And there's only one church in Tampa too, that's it. That's all there is. There's only one decent church in Tampa. How can you say that? I'm telling you, it's true. Go to them. I tell you, listen, I give you license. How many of you in here call me your pastor? Shout amen. amen. I, give you my, I give you my permission to go and look at other churches. Take, take a couple Sundays a year and go and look. I'm telling you, there's nothing. I've looked. There's nothing. Because they refuse to preach the word of God because it's too offensive. So what are you then? Are you a man or a woman of faith if you don't preach the Bible because faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God? So there is no other sort of faith. If you have any sort of life application that's not the Bible, understand that you're not, not operating in faith. Have you been influenced by passivity? I believe that being passive is an attribute. No, it's not. It's cowardice. You're afraid. There's lots of stuff in my house. Like right now our house has been gutted. It's just doing the hurricane repairs now, by the way. And I would never be able to even do any of them one for Bill Fancook. So, but anyway, they're doing them now. Our whole master bedroom, torn out, part of the kitchen, a lot of the family room, and my, part of my daughter's room has been torn out. My wife will come up to me, hey, you know, this, this is the paint, you know, that I'm thinking about doing. I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, do, do, do whatever you want to do. Because I don't care about that stuff. But I'm not a, so there's areas, I guess you could say, that I'm passive about, passive about things that don't matter. But I'm not passive at all about anything that matters. I'm not even passive about chocolate. <laughs> chocolate matters. I'm not passive about it. Some of you, because you don't eat much candy? You have like a, a storage of candy in your house so you break out every, you know, when people come over, but you've had it there since like last Halloween. <laughs> your chocolate's nasty and chalky and stuff. See, that matters to me. I'm passionate about it. I send my wife to specific stores. 
Don't buy it at Walmart a lot of times because they like have massive storage facilities. And by the time I get my peanut M&Ms, they're chalky and nasty. I like Walgreens. Publix. I'm not passive. I'm not passive about anything that matters. I'm not passive about Tommy. I'm not passive about Norma. You want to date my daughter? You're going to have to come to me. You got to come to me. I'm not passive. Oh, you know, whatever. Oh, there she is. She knows it. You're going to have to come talk to me. And the odds are you ain't going to make it. I'll make sure I meet you. Anybody that Tommy dates, I find out. I find out who they are. I hover. <laughs> and I give my opinions. You know, like, does Tommy solicit your opinions? Not always. <laughs> but I'll give my opinions. I'm not passive about anything. I'm not passive about the Bible. I'm not passive about guns. I'm not passive about the Constitution. I'm not passive about my rights. I'm not passive about how they allegedly care for us medically. I'm not passive. Oh, you know, if they tell you to put a mask on, just put it on. No, shove it. Not passive. I want to know why. Tell me why. Tell me why. Have you been influenced by the religion of passivity? Come what may. Well, you know, come what, what, what may. It's just all God. No, you didn't bind, you didn't lose. It's got nothing to do with come what may. Have you been influenced by the religion of false love, which I've already gone over? Have you been, have you been influenced by the religion of desiring acceptance and approval? If the world doesn't accept me, that means I'm not very Christ-like. It's exactly the opposite. And I have, to temper you, I have to temper this because there's always some weirdo that offends the world. You're not offending them because of your Christianity. You're offending them because of your carnality. If you're socially inept and you interrupt people all the time in the name of Jesus, you're condescending, and this is P-R-I-G, not C-K, you're a condescending prig. That's not Christianity that's causing the world not to approve you. That's just you. That's just you. Your weirdness, every time a butterfly goes by, it's an angel. Every time a snake goes on the ground, it's Satan. You know, I was walking down, I was out there doing my walking. Three butterflies came through, and I, and I sensed that it was the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then the, a, a snake went across the ground, and I sensed that it was the devil confronting the Trinity. You know what it was? Florida, numbnuts. Florida. I'm out walking all the time. I see snakes just about every week. Rattlesnakes five, six times a year because I'm walking constantly. My dog's been in the face of three of them. I know. I hear them. I'm like, Eddie! <laughs> Dummy. 
Smart enough, not too close, though. She's not that dumb. Accommodating, have you, been, have you been affected by the religion of accommodating evil in the name of love? Where do you get that from? Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2, 18 and 19. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Have you been, look, listen, listen to the violence in those verses. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the kingdom of heaven takes the kingdom of heaven by force. Right here, it's suffering violence. Listen to what this says. While they speak great swelling words of emptiness, most churches that you attend today, if you attended another one today, it would only be speaking great swelling words of emptiness, which they use to allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. They're luring back into being unsaved, the saved in the church, in the name of salvation, in the name of Jesus. It's violent. And if you don't understand that it's violent, you'll get allured. Listen to the last part. While they promise them liberty. Yes, you know what? If you're gay, you're just on a journey. You're living with your girlfriend right now. Okay, you fornicated 573 times last year. You like it more than once a day sometimes. I knew you were going to add it up anyway, so I got out in front of you. 473 times in one year. Hey, there you go. There's nothing wrong with it. And you tell those people, you know, it was 473 last year. We noticed that you got it under 400 this year. You're on your way. You're going straight to hell for the 400. You're going straight to hell for the 473. You've never repented. While they promised them liberty. You can call yourself Christian and live however you want. Liberté. They're promising them liberty. They themselves who are preaching it are slaves of corruption. And listen, if you listen to people like that, listen to that. Here, I've got it written down somewhere. Proverbs 24, 24. He that saith unto the wicked, thou art righteous. Him shall the people curse. Nations shall abhor him. It's coming for them. All these false preachers, it's coming for them. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forgot God, Psalm 917. They promise them liberty, but they themselves, the preachers, are slaves of corruption. This is for you now and for me. Listen, I listen to a lot of preachers. but I shouldn't say I listen to a lot of preachers. I listen to a certain pocket of preachers. Who do you listen to, Tom? I listen to Jonathan Shellsworth, Rodney Howard Brown, Andrew Womack, Jesse Duplantis, Jerry Savelle, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan. Who am I leaving out hope? Anybody? That's the group I listen to. Why? Because they preach the word of God unfettered. Jesse Duplantis will drop a hell bomb right on you. In the middle of where you're laughing and joking and him, he always tries to imitate black people and do all that stuff and whatever. And you're, la- and you're laughing and all that. 
He'll drop hell bombs on you like that. I don't know where, and then you're laughing again 30 seconds later. It's actually just brilliant manipulation on his part. It is. Manipulation is not always bad. It's a good thing. But if you listen to him, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he's brought into bondage. Overcoming and bondage? That's the kingdom of heaven suffering violence. And whatever you want, you're going to have to take it by force. What's some of that force? Asking, seeking, binding, loosing, being very specific in your prayers. I can't stand that politician. All right, what are you doing? What are you doing? Pray him out. Pray him out. Specifically, every day, expose their corruption, Lord. Expose them, Lord. Lord, just put it, just put it in their mind to retire. They should be scared of us. Listen, it should go back. It should go back to 1 Samuel 16, 4. So, so Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? That's what D.C. should be saying to us. Oh, man, you didn't get that. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. You're just going to go to the next Trump rally. You're not getting it. I love Trump. I'm voting for Trump. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. It doesn't solve anything. If you just vote for Trump or DeSantis, they're great men. I love them both. Greatest governor in the world. But all that you are, all you're doing is, you're like one of the kings of Judah. And you go in there and you, you put this person, you put, it, it's not you that are, you put a king like the king of Judah who didn't go and take down the Ezra poles. Did Trump take down the Ezra poles? No. He did great things. Defunded Planned Parenthood, defunded global abortion. Great things. Moved the embassy to Jerusalem, built a wall. He did great things but he left up the Ezra poles. He left up the high places. This great Jehoshaphat is a great king of Judah, but he left up the high places. Who's the greatest king of all? Who was the great, who, no, don't go Jesus, don't be super spiritual. <laughs> Stop. It's like, who's your favorite person, Jesus? Okay, <laughs> got it. Who is, who was the greatest king in the history of Israel and Judah? Who was it? Josiah was the greatest king in the history of Israel. Sorry. There was never a king like him before nor after. And quiet in here. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Some of you need to be embarrassed. You don't know the Bible. You're just spouting off what you've heard. Josiah, Josiah went and dug up the bones of the false prophets and burned them. David didn't do that. You're welcome. That's what you got to do. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence. 
you won't even deal with your bipolarness, let alone dig up the bones of the false prophets. You haven't even conquered your moods yet. Your husband gets up every morning going, You call yourself Christ-like? Ain't nobody getting saved around you? Nobody getting healed around you? Nobody being influenced by you? No one being encouraged by you? When you walk into the Bible study, everybody wishes you weren't there? Because you never shut up? You're welcome. Told you. Listen, I know, that, listen, I know every service I lose people. I just pray in new people. It's just like a, it's just, it literally is just like a grinder here at the church. I just feed more stuff. And then... I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to carry. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner and will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I just simulate Jesus. I burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire because I'm imitating Jesus. That's why I call myself Christian. Quiet in here again. If you're listening to false doctrine, you're being overcome and brought into bondage. And false doctrine can come from your own mind and come from Christian radio. Beautiful, the mess we are. Oh, puke fest. Puke fest. Beautiful, the mess we are. Is that, is that Matthew 5.48? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father's perfect. No, you can't, you can't sit, tell people to be perfect because nobody's perfect. That's not correct. Do you realize right now, if you've turned from all your sin, that you are looked at as perfect in God's eyes? And then we're told in Philippians 3.16, live up to what you've already attained? And instead, you comment, well, you know, I'm just moody. It's just, you know, part of my family heritage. Okay, whoever taught you that was wrong. And your family heritage is wrong. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Let me cover this just so everybody knows. Tom, you're not gentle. I am gentle by biblical standards. Not gentle by today's standards. Today's standards, you have to talk like this the whole time, and I always have a monotone voice. I'm like, okay, everybody, can we please open up our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. We're going to be reading out of... Is that how, was Jesus gentle that way when he made a whip of cords? When he called them whitewashed tombs full, full, full of bones, full of all uncleanness, sons of hell, to his own leadership? Gentle by today's standards is not biblical gentleness. Gentleness there is don't stone them. I'm not kidding. That's what gentle, it had nothing to do with verbiage. Back then, if you didn't, if you were not theologically correct, there was a high probability that you'd be killed. Stoned. 
The woman that Jesus saved from stoning. That's what gentle is. He saved her from stoning. What did, she, what did he tell her? Oh, you know, you're trying real hard. I know that you were caught in the very act of adultery, but you're trying hard and just, you know, go and just, you know, this is a fresh start right now. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Do the best that you can. No, he said, go and sin no more. That's gentleness. So just so everyone, that's not you, Tom. It is. Screaming and yelling is gentle by biblical standards because Jesus screamed and yelled. I've never made a whip of cords. Because I would never make it. I'd just go buy it. But I'm just saying, I've never purchased one. I've never made one. Nothing. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle at all. Able to teach, patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Captive, overcome, snare, bondage, violence. If you don't believe it, you're already captive, overcome, snared, and in bondage. You already are. I don't, I don't really believe in these things. This is not really Christ-like. This is not like no message I've ever heard before. That's because you're listening to men. You're listening to people who are calling wickedness righteousness. He that says to the wicked, thou art righteous. Him shall the people curse. Nations shall abhor him. There's gonna be so many people looking up from hell. That's the witness of scripture. I don't know how it works. But somehow or another, hell will be able to see heaven. And they will look up. They'll see pastors that are in heaven, and those pastors cause them to go to hell. How does that work? I don't know. Luke, listen, there are people who are weak that will cause other people to go to hell, but they themselves will go to heaven. The matriarchs of families. I've seen it. I saw it. It's like an Inglewood thing. An Inglewood Christianity thing. These matriarchs of these Christian families. They're allegedly these stalwarts of faith, and all they produce are alcoholics and fornicators. I just thank God that she's, mom's always been praying for me. Oh, that's great. She's been praying for you. But she raised you to be an alcoholic. She raised you to be a fornicator. You honestly think that you could get away with any of that in my home? I'm, Norma just said no. She's way back there. I mean, honestly. I said in my home. If my kids chose to rebel and run out of the house, nope, well that's, that's them, they're adults. But you honestly think that my 16-year-old daughter, she's 22 now, but I'm just saying, 16 at the time. You honestly think she'd date anybody that I didn't approve of? <laughs> she wasn't even allowed to date at 16. You weren't allowed to date in my house till you were 18. My son didn't go on his first date till he's 24. You're like, that's just, you know, that, that's so old school. Oh, how's your, how's your plan working? How, how are your kids doing? Oh, they're great. They're successful. Are they going to heaven or are they going to hell? And be honest with yourself. No, so many, so many Christians are so deceptive. Well, you know, 
yeah, he, you know, he drinks on the weekends, but, you know, he's made a lot of money. He's a very successful attorney or whatever he is. You know, that's fantastic. He's gained the whole world and lost his own soul. Great job. He's a great baseball player. That's fantastic. Now, when he looks up at you, Mom, and is begging you to put a drop of water on his burning tongue, then how are you going to feel? Maybe there's a reason why God has to wipe away every tear in heaven. You, I mean, uh, what do you think would happen? What do, what do you think would happen in my house if someone dropped the F-bomb? Oh, you know, just work on it now, work on it. They wouldn't even get the k out until my hand. <laughs> never. Never has happened one time. My kids have never cussed. That's the way it is. You want to date somebody? Bring them to me. That's love. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. I take my home by force, by spiritual force. The Holy Ghost would never allow it. The Holy Ghost is so strong in my home, you would ne never be allowed. How do you fight violence? I just said captive, overcome, snared, 2 Peter 2.18. In 19, 2 Timothy 2.24 through 26, you see captive, overcome, snared. These are Christians, written to Christians at the church of Jerusalem. You see Christians being brought into captivity, overcome, snared, and put in bondage. How do you fight it? How do you, there you go, Bill. How do you fight Violence. Violence. I thought you fought it with love, compliance, and niceness. That's not the Bible. That's not the Bible. I'm not talking about that. You, you want to you quote, I understand. Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. I've got it all memorized. I've got it. I'm not talking about physical violence. Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. All of those are weapons. Pray for them, love them, bless them. And by doing that, now we hearken back to Romans 12, 20, 21, you heap burning coals on their head. I'm into the coals. You think I'm nice. No, I'm just heaping coals on your head. I got a neighbor, he hates me. And in the natural, I hate him, but I won't operate in it. I do. We don't like each other. I mean, literally, just don't like each other. And we just stay away from each other. I'm good about it. But the thing is, I'm waiting for my opportunity to bless him. So he gets the coals. <laughs> is that really your motive? It really isn't. But listen, it's a side benefit. It's a side benefit. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, the violent take by force. How do you answer violence? I mean, I want, let's, let's be, why is it that everything else is logical except inside the church? There, there's, I have friends of mine in the sheriff's office in this room. And you listen, you ask any cop in here, any soldier, you have, you have 
war veterans in this room, many. Travis sitting over here to my left. Will was back here. He moved there as well in the back now. War veterans, how do you fight violence? Curl up in a ball and ask for it to go away? Go away. Go away. No, you send the hate downrange. You fight violence with violence. And again, I'm talking about spiritual violence. Not with love compliance. And by the way, love is a legitimate weapon if it's actual love. I have to throw love in there because most people live in a persistent misconception of what love is. Love is not compliance and accommodation and tolerance. Love rejoices in the truth, does not rejoice in iniquity. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Told you, I've got it right here in this beautiful mind of mine. One Bible verse after another. Why do I, you might ask yourself, why do I lose spiritual battles? Because you don't do that. One Bible verse after another. In my head. Every single, I'm not saying I've, I, I operate in perfection. I don't. Yet. Like you've always said, I'm stealing this from Andrew Walmack. I haven't arrived, I've left. I've left my old self. I haven't arrived completely to my new self. But I've left. How do you fight violence? With violence. You have somebody trying to take you into captivity, overcome you, snare you, put you into bondage, you fight it with violence. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. I can't believe I'm not getting through any of this message. <laughs> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you don't, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, if you don't cast down, you are not living Christ-like. The, listen, the blessings of God are not coming into your life. It doesn't just happen ambiguously. You have to do your part. This is called a covenant. Not just God. It's a covenant. You have to come into agreement. It's not just one person. It's not a free agent. You come into covenant. Are you casting down imaginations? And every high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You see how violent that is? You cast it down. A lot of people feel sorry for the devil. I'm not kidding you. I, mean, I, really, I feel sorry for, you know, I, I don't want to see any of these people at Nuremberg trials. I do. I do. I'm casting down these imagine. I cast them down. There's people that need to be in Nuremberg trials. They've murdered people. I don't care that Travis Kelsey, who's a Swifty, is pimping and whoring vaccines using his NFL platform to do so. Do you know the numbers? Nobody knows the numbers because nobody follows the analytics. Luckily, you got me. I follow the analytics. Edward Dowd, BlackRock executive, 
is estimating 860,000 vaccination deaths in America. You won't even notice it in a country of 400 million. They say 330, that's inaccurate. 330, 330 million was 2006. Just so everybody knows, it's 2023, 17 years later. And Joe Biden has let in so far 7.5 million people into this country that we know about. So you really think? At 7.5 million CBP statistics, it's one to five times that many, so it's a minimum of 15 million that he's let in so far. He's let in so far. You think there's 330, people, 330 million people, the same as there was in 2006? You wouldn't even notice. You won't, you won't even notice 800,000 people dying. Millions have already died. This is the stats that Aaron and I put on the podcast all the time. And this is why these people, this, I want these people cast down. If you've heard, if you've heard the, the podcast, I semi-apologize for the redundancy, but it's just like preaching a Bible verse over and over again. It's the truth. If you take a 52-year study, I can't believe people actually text me in the middle of a service, and they attend this church. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> Jeez, I'm like... Seriously. But if you take a 52-year study from 1972, from 1970 to 2022, you take the first 50 years of that 52 years, 1,300 athletes died on the field, dropped dead. From 1970 to 2020, 1,300 athletes dropped dead on the field over those 50 years. In 2021, in 2022, the last two years of that 50 years, 1,700 athletes have dropped down on the field. We've gone from 26 a year was the average. Am I getting that right, Aaron? 26 a year was the average to over 850 a year is now our average. Nuremberg freaking Berg. That's purposeful murder. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and we will answer that violence with spiritual violence. And part of spiritual violence is justice. Amen. And the church should lead the way. They should tremble at our coming. Yeah. Amen. What's the last part of this? Nobody ever preaches verse six. Everybody preaches 10, three through five. But nobody preaches verse six because they must be going to a transgender clinic and got them lopped off. <laughs> Think of myself. <laughs> I just have my mind. Oh gosh. My mind, all these pastors, a big line of pastors coming into a clinic. And then they're all coming out of the clinic with an ice bag. <laughs> Nobody preaches verse six. And having it a readiness, tremble at your coming 
and having it in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. As long as you're not a hypocrite, we're not talking about hurting anybody physically. So there you go, Facebook and everybody, all the other censor idiots out there. But they need to be, they need to answer to God. They need to answer to justice. Why, why did you tell us all? Why did you tell everybody to stop transmission and infection? When you knew you're Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, you have the Pfizer study, which they wanted to keep confidential for 75 years until they lost in a federal lawsuit. While you're reading the Pfizer vaccine trial data, and you saw that 28 out of 32 pregnant women miscarried, 1,223 people died in a year in a vaccine trial, died of the vaccine, not of COVID, of the vaccine, just died. You saw in the data that it wasn't even tested for transmission and infection. And then you went out, and yes, I'm saying it about a woman, you pimped and whored these vaccines, telling pregnant women that it was safe, saying that it was safe and effective for everybody, knowing that 1,223 people died in the trial. And you knew and you were saying that it, that it will stop transmission and infection. We have her on tape, as well as Fauci, as well as Collins, as well as Biden. You're like, Tom, this is politics. How's death politics? How's dead people politics? Aren't, aren't we supposed, if God loves life, God created life, God does, how are you, how do you think it's politics? This killing people who are born is politics. Killing the unborn is okay to preach about. Most people will not, won't do the second one either. Because again, they went to the clinic. He went to the clinic. I'll finish with this. Worship team, make your way. Trying to be a better boy up here and be done before 1228. And then have a 20-minute altar call. Or how many of you actually like being in church for three hours? And I do want to say this to you because nobody's really going to pay attention right now anyway because you're going to watch the band walk up here. But I do want you to know how much I, I, Tom Lipley, appreciate you. I mean it. Seriously. Appreciate you. I really do. You're always on my heart. I, you are prayed over every day. Every day. Just know that. And I really appreciate you. Because my wife said this to me the other day. She goes, isn't it really amazing that anybody stays? <laughs> I'm like, thank you, dear. I mean, it's just like wind beneath my wings. Just, you know. She wonders why I need Hallmark movies. Finish with this. I told you some of this already, but to put this into practice, we'll get into part two of this next week. Weapons for you to work, use this week is you're gonna to have to answer violence with violence. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence, the violent take it by force. Asking is a weapon. Most people, they have not because they, James 4, 2. They don't ever ask. It's just God's will unfolding in their life. 
Expectation is a weapon. Let him ask in faith with no, with no doubting. First verse is Matthew 7, 7. This is James 1, 6 through 8. Expectation is a weapon. Well, you know what? If I tell people that I'm free, maybe you are sick, now I'm well, and it turns out not to be true, I'm gonna look like a fool. Why are you a respecter of persons when God's not? Why do you seek to please men? Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The fear of man bringeth a snare. You say it publicly. If you're not well, say you're struggling with anxiety, depression, you have cancer, I don't care what it is. You tell everybody, I'm well. I'm well. Well, we haven't seen any. No, let the demons talk. Let the demons talk. And you're like, well, what if I die? Well, you know what? At least you gave it a shot. You're going to die anyway. Who cares? They can mock you. Oh, they'll mock you once you're dead and in heaven. Let them mock you. They won't be mocking you when they're begging you for that drop of water on their tongue. And by the way, if you dispel unbelief, you ain't dying. You ain't going to die. You need to tell yourself that every day. You're struggling with anxiety and depression. You're like, no, I have a sound mind. Thank you. Thank you, I have a sound mind. No, thank you. Take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. Cast down that imagination. And everything that's not the word of God in comparison is an imagination. I don't care what you feel. Disease is an imagination in comparison to the truth of the word of God. Anxiety, depression, Anything else is an imagination in comparison to the reality that is the word of God. Seeking is a weapon. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him first. Isaiah 55, 6. Matthew 6, 33. Delight is a weapon. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Amen. There's your weapons. Use them this week. Violent, take it by force. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you. Praise you, Lord. I'm going to make this quick, and I'm going to be praying over people. Listen, if you need prayer this morning, now is your time. Don't wait till after you leave and say, you know what? I wish I would have let Pastor Tom pray over me. Don't let, don't, don't let that be you. You're like, Tom, are you something special? Yeah, yeah. Just like you. You're special. Narrow is the way, and if you find it, if you're saved in here, shout amen. amen. You're special. If you're about to get saved, shout amen. Because <laughs> you're special. You're special. Narrow is the way if you find it. There's 8 billion people on this globe. Hardly any of them are Christians. You're already special. So am I special? Yeah. Power of God resonates in me. The only difference maybe between me and you is I've just dispelled enough unbelief for it to flow through me. And it's gonna do that this morning. If you need prayer this morning, your time is coming in about three minutes. I don't care what it is that you need, God will meet your need. I'm not talking about making you feel better, I'm talking about healed, delivered, set free and provided for. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if your life is not right with God, if you're a backslidden Christian or you've never been saved, maybe you just need to admit today, you know what, I'm fraud, I'm a fraud. My parents think I'm saved, but I'm not. People around me think that I'm saved, but I'm not. I'm not gonna ask you to put your hand up in the fraud section of the altar call. I'm just telling you to acknowledge it. 
Maybe you've never been saved. You're not playing games, you've just never been saved. What does saved even mean, Tom? You're speaking language I don't even know. Saved just means forgiven of all of your sins. Their sins are forgiven. You will either pay the price for your sins by burning in hell for all of eternity, or you'll lump them onto the shoulders of Jesus. You'll put them on. He, he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Or you can lump all of your sins onto Jesus' shoulders, who was a spotless lamb, was brutalized and nailed to a cross, went to hell for you. And while he was down there, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and brought them back. And there you can now put your sins on his shoulders and let him pay for them. That's the, that's the life that I chose. That's the decision that I made. That's born again, that's saved, that's forgiven. If you're a backslidden Christian, understand that the lifestyle that you're leading, this is, I won't quote all the verses to you, check them when you get home. But Hebrews chapter 10, 26 and 27, John 15, 6, Romans 11, 22. Read them when you get home. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. If you live in a state of, back, of being backslidden, that's hellbound. You're like, I have a connection to Christianity. You do have a connection to Christianity, but that connection isn't gonna save your soul. Hebrews 6, four through eight. Come back while you still can. Seek the Lord while he may be found. The longer you stay away, the less likely it is that you'll ever come home. It's time for you to come home. Let the sin go. It's not worth hell. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need salvation this morning, you need his forgiveness. Nobody's looking around. This is between me, you, and God. And I mean, make sure that you're not the jerk looking around this room right now. I'm not gonna check. I do check, and sometimes I'll call people out, just so you know. You really wanna get in the way of God? I don't poke that bear. If you wanna poke him, you can. You can answer to him. Ananias and Sapphira found out the hard way not to poke the bear. So in every, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and I sense the Holy Ghost in this room. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Ghost is in this room. If you need to get right with God, right where you're at, this is all I'm gonna ask you to do, right here, this is it. You know, I'm not gonna bring you forward, I'm not gonna do anything. Right where you're at, stretch your hand high and proudly into the air. There you go, awesome, I got you. Huge amount of people, got you, you can put them down. Those of you that lifted up your hands, you may have said a prayer like this before, and you've fallen back. Doesn't matter. Today is the day of salvation. Now is your time. 2 Corinthians 6.2. Now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer, and you are 100% saved, 100% right with God. The entire church is going to pray it out loud with you. Here we go. Say it proudly, church. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' name. Church fervently shouts.